What's good, folks? It's Mike Mace, and I'm here with Fu Manchu. What's up? And this is the continuation of our Boys to Men show. In this segment, we will talk to a professional psychologist, Dr. Gene Edwards. He will give us his opinion on the question at hand. Can a woman raise a boy to be a man? No. Let's hear his thoughts on the topic. What about my thoughts? Let's listen to the professionals be professional. <laughs> you trying to say I'm not professional? <laughs> I'm trying to say that, he, that you're... Well, if he says yes, I'm taking away his degree. Let's see how professional he is after that shit. <laughs> listen in, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, what's good? It's your man, Mike Mace. What's up? It's Fu Manchu. And we are the... Dadaholics. Daddy? you damn right on your daddy. Daddy! That's how dad did it. Oh, he's dad. Oh, his father. I am your father. Dad! Daddy, daddy. Daddy, can I try? Daddy. Daddy-o. Daddy. Daddy. Are you my daddy? Hello, everybody. We're back. Uh, I'd like to welcome Dr. Gene R. Edwards. He is the Assistant Director for Outreach and Consultation at UNC Wilmington's Counseling Center. Uh, Dr. Edwards is responsible for leadership and oversight at the Counseling Center's Community Engagement. He deals with outreach, faculty and staff consultation, professional continuing education and supervision, as well as he also uh, helps uh, student training on various mental health topics. He also provides uh, individual group and couple counseling to the students at UNC Wilmington. Uh, so please, welcome Dr. Edwards. Thank you for having me on. So Dr. Edwards, um, we just uh -huh. like to uh, welcome you, of course, as I said before, and I guess I'm going to start with just a quick little icebreaker. Um, okay. To tell me a little bit about what you're doing at UNC Wilmington. Oh, well, I mean, a typical day for me is that, well, my bread and butter is that I basically provide counseling to college-age students, uh, usually as young as 15 and up. So as long as they're enrolled at the university, they're eligible for what we call a sort of brief or I'm effective counseling. And it can be on a number of issues. I know that if I had to sit down and boil it down to about three issues, I think the primary things we see at our counseling center are uh, young people or students who are either dealing with higher levels and our social anxiety, um, issues around depression, of course, uh, issues around relationship issues, issues regarding adjustment, either as being adjustment to college, being adjustment to being a, a student of color, a white college, um, or even adjustment in terms of then having to transfer out. Like, say, they want to, um, they're, they're graduating, and we find that gradua graduation can be just as anxiety-provoking as uh, college education. And so that just gives you a couple of sort of the highlights of some of the things we see sort of on the regular. So that gives you some idea of the things we do. Clinical Does that stuff. happen I mean, because you're of, a parent? Does that happen from your parents? Do your parents make you crazy? Is that what you're seeing <laughs> at some point? Uh, you're nuts no, because no, I, I, your I, parents I, did that and then you're going to essentially do that to your kids. <laughs> no, I think that it's interesting that you bring that up, but, you know, it, it's always been, for, at least in Freudian terms, it's always been the parents. But, um... Uh, so a, I get to blame my mom. I get to say, Mom, it was because of you. <laughs> I'm all the way upside down over here. And now I'm doing the same thing to no, my small little person. I think it's a... It's a I think it's a mixture of both nature and nurture. And right now in psychology, that's always been the ongoing debate. 
do we see mental health issues come up because it's the environment or, do, or is it because of how the person was raised? And what we're learning is that it's basically 50-50. It's a little bit of both. I mean, mm-hmm. but what I would say honestly, what we're seeing is that where some of it may have to do with what's happening in where a a person has been raised, what we've also learned from that is that it's not necessarily the environment you... So the hood... Growing up on 174th Street is what made me into the animal that I am today. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. You know, one of the interesting things about psychology is that psychologists will give you five or six different answers and all of them will be fairly correct. So it's yes and not exactly. So, it so all, I'm not supposed to believe depends. you. So I'm not supposed to believe you because it, it might be kind of right depending on your situation, wherever you are, based on who your parents exactly. are context and, how you, and how you context. grew up. All right. Well, just context go for a fact, uh, Dr. Dr. Edwards, Dr. Gene Edwards, um, just want to make sure that you know that they're, I'm just kind of coming at you a little bit so that we can just go ahead and break the ice and get comfortable um, sooner. Oh, yeah, later. I'm good with that. All right, my man. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so I noticed that you mentioned some of the uh, students are like 15, you range, I guess, you know, from 15 to about like 50. I guess my question is, do you have any children? And are they at that age? Do you have any yeah. teenage children? Well, my, yeah, I have two. I have two children. I have a daughter who's about to turn 10 in August, and I have a son who will be turning 7 in this month, in July, in a couple of weeks. Oh, same, same as my kids, and, my, and, my two boys. Yeah, and and you know, and they 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 both on my toes, and it, it, they definitely help me understand that to be a good parent requires a lot of introspection and hard work. <laughs> Interesting. So, a topic came up. I guess I'm going to give you a quick backstory. My ex-wife came to me one day, and she asked me. Uh, can a mother raise a boy to be a man? Um, So what I said was, I don't think they can raise them to be men. I think they can raise them to be adults. Um, I think think there are certain qualities that a a dad or a man or a male role model can do that a mother cannot, especially for men, uh, a boy is trying to be men. They need a male role model, and most of the times they get it. But it depends on how they get mm-hmm. it and who they get it from. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's right. negative. I mean, my thought process on it is that, you know, as far as mothers go, you're the, the mother is tending to, if she's on her own, she's going to wind up raising the son to be the man that she wished she had to raise her son. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, you just can't, you know, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's so much missing from that. You know, you know, whether it be male or female, that, that that personality is missing from providing just an experiential understanding or anecdote for how it is for you to go ahead and process. My version of becoming a man is just doing the opposite of the man I saw. So everything, everything he did, I'm like, well, you know, having 12 kids, that's not what's up. So I'm going to miss that one. I'm going to skip that one. You know, you know, turning around and, you know, not participating in the relation, in the, uh, the rearing of the child. Like that right there, do the opposite. So that's my version on what, uh, uh, uh-huh. A boy being raised by a uh-huh. woman, young woman, some most of the time, and, uh-huh. and how you become who you are. Dr. Gene, let uh-huh. me know what's your thought on this whole process. Because I, I, I will, I'll add this, because I think 
that what both of you bring to the table has merit. I will um, add some things that I think at least some of it is research-wise and some of it is also my, um, what I've seen in my personal experience. Now, can a mother raise a boy? I'm going to first say yes, but here's why. I, I think when, at least in Western American society, what gir little girls little girls and little boys are influenced by, at least that's what the research says, are influenced by their mothers project upon them in terms of uh, what we call typical or stereotypical feminine, feminine qualities as well as stereotypical masculine qualities. Okay. In other words, because of how, because people are still stuck in this nuclear family craziness, mm. what we still see happening in American society is, is that, and this is across color and culture, is that it's the mothers who end up into what we call the primary caretaker roles of both little boys and little girls. Uh -huh. And the fathers still operate from this very old, archaic, and I'm saying archaic on purpose, mm -hmm. idea of that supposed to be sort of in the periphery, they provide the discipline, they provide sort of the, the physical play contact. Oh, we still are, I'm going to tell your father, you're still the person that, huh? you know, we're, we're the fear factor when they're not listening to the parents, they just like, I'm going to tell your father when he comes home, and it's like, oh my God. I right, exactly, okay, that's okay, what, okay, that's okay. what, yeah, and the problem is, is that what we're seeing is that that, that um, idea ineffective for the most part for both boys and unfortunately also for girls so the idea of parenting from the standpoint that there's one primary caretaker and the other one is sort of like on the periphery is not effective for the overall development and well-being of boys and girls mm -hmm. that's at least what we know and understand right now in the research but what was fascinating was to sit with my mother who was giving me feedback on so you do that well, my mom's was, I can't sometimes talk and not invoke her with the accent. So I apologize if you notice I shift an accent. That's it's because that's the only way that my mom's words have any effect. So she's like, so you do that with your kids? I go, yes. And you do that? Yes. And you clean up the house? Yes. Well, how do you do all that? You're the man. I said, well, I am the man. And at the same time, I'm also a father. And I want my son to see... You know what a real man, how how a real man in real society. Applaud this man for no. being a real man in this real society. Applaud this man for being a real man in this real society. <laughs> yes, because because society because what's really happening out there isn't what the TV and the media is giving us. Because we got fathers who are out there really, you know, doing Put some things Put with their work. children. Yeah, that doesn't get promoted at least in terms of the mainstream. In other words, we still have a society that really wants to hold on to this 1950s nuclear family mentality when in actuality, it really does take a village to raise a child. Method. Whether you're a man or a woman, it really does. Hey. You know, I think about the role models in my life, and other than my mom, the strong male role models in my life were men who took an interest in my development, who were not my father. It was like my karate instructor, or it was like a teacher who was, you know, in a high school classroom, or a, a professor in a college classroom who was, you know, basically 
Dr. G, oh, you are you. you are preaching you, you, that good word right so, there, so my, sir. So my question, Dr. G, you know I mean? my question, I Dr. G. You notice that I've cut his name from Dr. G. I've cut his name down from Dr. G. Edwards to Dr. G. Now just Dr. G. So from Dr. now, Dr. All right, G. I'm good. I'm, I'm all of the above. Okay. So, Dr. G, um, my question mm-hmm. to you with your role models, right? Let's start with your karate teacher. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if you were just throwing out right. hypotheticals, but what did he say right. or do to you? That made you look up to this person. Well, what's fascinating is that what drew me to it was selfish at first. So I was drawn to the martial arts because of all the stereotypes I bought into. But then when I had to start doing the work, doing the training, I learned that the martial arts is a lot, there's a lot more involved than me being able to just, you know, me being able to fight well. So you, you wanted and to start off kicking somebody's ass. Yeah, he saw a lot of Bruce Lee. He saw a lot of Bruce Lee. He wanted to kick some asses. bullied as a kid, you know, I was that kid who was bullied for a little bit, and, you know, because I was the smart kid in class, and then I go off to meet this guy, and I'm like, you know what, I don't want to be bullied anymore. So here I'm learning all these techniques, and I'm learning to do things with my body that I didn't think was possible. And so that's one thing on the physical end, but what blew me away personally was, here's who would say to me things like, you need to control your anger. And I was like, what the hell is that? You know, I'm from yeah. the world. I'm from Eden World Projects. Exactly. I didn't meet people. I didn't see people who control their anger. He was like, you control your anger. You know, I remember when I got my black belt and his response was, now no one's going to mess with you. And my response back to him was, well, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. So all these right. people that right. had bullied me, you know, whatever the role they played, which now, and it sounds ironic, but it's now where at one point I was like, you know, that was this fuel to sort of get back. Now I go look back at these folk and I go, you know what, they were kids like me. And you know what, thank, in some ways I want to say thank you for being who you were at that time because you helped me learn to be who I am right now. Right. So it, it really changed how I thought about anger, how I thought about emotions. So I was getting really good at fighting and less angry every step of the way. Right. So, that's, so that drew me in that direction. So that was, that's why this instructor, in many ways, he was like my surrogate dad for many, many years. And in many ways, he raised me, and I say that with air quotes, he raised me to, but, to, to be a man of balance. That was the draw is that I, I, I could now define myself. I didn't have other men telling me how I had to be anymore. So now I get to shape who I am. And I think that's the thing, if there's anything I want to pass on to my son, is that he gets to shape the man he wants to be. He, no woman, other man should have any say in the kind of man he wants to be. You know, And that's because daughter, of what you presented. Is that right. because of what you showed? Well, and, and, I just, a... and I just, right. Now, I just picked the martial arts system. That's a very integral part of my life. But mm-hmm. I can take other examples in terms of when I was a doctoral student and I met people who, you, you know, a man doesn't have to just be one way. You know, I met men who do a number of things and, all, and, and can all be learned folk. You know what right, I mean? Right, and I mean, if I talk about the black community, you know, it, it makes me shudder sometimes when I listen to some of the research, when I'm listening to young black men in many urban environments who equate intellect with 
with femininity Understood. when that is not, that is inaccurate. And, and it's a shame. You know, they it, just think that you're soft because you're so smart. Like, you must be, you must, your mom must have had you locked up in the house right. reading books. And you've right. been out here you, scrapping. You, yeah, you ain't in these streets. <laughs> you're you upstairs streets. in them books. That's right. You're in these streets. You're a punk. You, right. We could go all and all. We could go all day right. with that. But it's, it, but, it, but it's that it's that desire. See, now you're opening up a whole other can of worms when we talk about the fact that as black men in America, we we have been in many ways emasculated by white racist, white supremacist oppression. That in many ways, for us to hold on to any modicum of masculinity, we have to almost be hyper or super masculine in order to just feel that we are males. Mm. We would be able to, because, see, and this is the, see, here's the tragic flaw. Many of the women in our lives teach us this hyper-masculine view. Not because, and not not always on purpose, but it's based on what they've been raised to believe men are supposed to be. And so they teach us something that, you know, gets... for all intents and purposes, can be fatal, not just to our mental health and well-being, but to our overall physical health and well-being. Like we're Willie not Lynch. supposed to be a <laughs> Ah, the Willie Lynch people. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was, uh, one day, at, um, Fu and I were having a discussion, and I was talking about the Willie Lynch papers and about the breaking of the black family and how yep. initially what happens is you kill the husband in front of the wife and the child. And then the wife yeah. goes ahead and reminds the son, if you do this, you'll wind up like your father. So then right. it becomes an in, and then you replace the male with the female as the patriarch of the family, reminding yeah. and reinforcing this series of um, just mental, um, I don't even have the word for it right now, but you just keep beating it into them that this is what it is. And if you want, if you don't want to wind up like your dad, then follow these rules, these laws, this way, and <clears throat> just and then and then it become and then it comes. I think it has come all the way around. So now you're like, well, you ain't gonna turn around and let them take advantage of you. You know, fuck the man or whoever he may be. And now the hyper-masculinity comes into place where there's this misplaced understanding of how to be safe in this society is so deeply inbred that it's just like, there's parents, there's now the us, the new dads, the available ones are having these conversations on how you make it home for without getting killed. When you're, you know, when you're, right. um, and, 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 it's, and it sounds like, you know, we, we've gone from, you know, some seven to nine and ten year olds all the way around to I got to turn around and bail my boy out of the jail, but he's only three. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, um, oh, let's, roll, let's, let's roll it back a little bit so that way we get back to the crux, which was can a woman raise a boy to be a man? And your response was yes. And the information that you gave us was leading. And Fu asked a question that was, you know, who was the male influence in your life that provided that? My male influence, like I said, was the anti-dad. Whatever my dad did, I did opposite. 
It has aided me to become um, successful in my small areas of life. Um, who, who was your um, influence, food? Well, I mean, my influence was a uh, <clears throat> guy I met. I was 13, worked at my mother's job, hanging out, you know, didn't really care. I think for him, he was the role model and what he did for me. He would just ask me questions. He was like, you should just question yourself before you make a decision. That's right. Question yourself. And he used to say, he says, I know your mother taught you right and wrong. And that's why I go back to say, I think a mother can teach a child or boy to be an adult because they can bring all those values. But I think there's certain things uh -huh. that you can, that a boy can only discuss with a man. Like, yo, so my, my man asked me to smoke weed. Oh yeah, we was on the corner drinking no E. Oh, A. <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, and he'd be like, you're under, you're under 21, right? So you, you do realize that you really shouldn't be drinking beer at all. So, like, he made me feel good and relaxed enough to question myself. And I think that's what made me rely on him. Because to this day, he is someone that I look up to. And, you know, he became a big brother. And what was weird is that I became the godfather to his, first, to his second son. Um, and I, when I went there, my father showed up. My my father was there. Wait. And my you father. You mean the Rolling Boulder was in the building? The Rolling Boulder was in the building. Okay. And what he did is he went up to my big brother and he thanked him. He said, thank you for being the dad to my son. Wow. 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 And I, and I know. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Gene. No, no, I was going to say, let me comment. The only comment I have on that is that you just said something a while back when we were talking about this notion of can a, well, a mother can raise us to be adults, but we need male role models to sort of help teach us to be men. I think, you know, this is the part when I said it, it depends, but I think you're on to something in the fact that some of the work that I've been doing with black men at the college level, so we got college, we got men of African descent at the university setting. They're all there trying to get that degree. And what was fascinating for me in my work at the college level is how, how we as black men don't have the kinds of conversations like we're having right now. Mm. So where you're saying, you know what, that where I'm with you is like, you know what, it would be really helpful if another brother, whether they are old head or whether they my age, would just say, hey, you know what, I'm going through the same stuff. Hey, let's try and help each other figure this out so that we're not, make, we're not acting like dummies. Welcome the to the platform. The problem is that as black men, somewhere along the line, if about the Willie Lynch letters, one of the other things that he talks about in the Willie Lynch letters is how to break down the sense of collective camaraderie amongst, mm -hmm. at least, and I'm quoting loosely, amongst the black slaves so that each of them divided. In other words, it's easy to break up slaves if the slave feels they don't have support. Then right. to break a slave who knows full well that they got a legion of folk like them you know what, I'm feeling what you feel, I got your back. Right. It's, it, the, 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 that, that type of indoctrination can't, it can't work if a person feels like they have a solid, trusted support network. Amongst black men, that is deteriorating. You know, people talk about the black family, but I think amongst black, black men is that 
there are so many of us who are in pain or who are feeling like we have to suffer in silence in order to be men. In other words, our masculinity is based on how much we can bear pain and suffering. But when I put a group of black men in a group where they know that everything is confidential, I see more pain and more tears shared amongst the group than when they're outside in the public circle, in the public eye. In the public eye, they act like, you know what, just act like you don't know me. Because, oh, right, because I mean, men don't cry. Because men don't cry. Yeah, that's fuck that. Right. Fuck that. Don't cry. 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 Don't I wish that we as men would be able to tap into our other emotions because we would be, we would see less violence in the world, mm. if you ask me honest. Mm. I remember my big brother, he was crying one day. And I was like, yo, you crying? Mm -hmm. And I said it to him. I was like, yeah, you, you crying? You question him with his, question him yeah. with his tears? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you crying? What you crying for? And I was like, I was like, what? I mean, you, you, that's kind of weak. He looked at me, he said, brother, weak is when you act like you ain't upset. Mm. But when you show uh -huh. the truth, you show your fear, you show your sadness, that's stronger than any other man out here. Mm. And when he said that to me, I said, uh -huh. I looked at him, I said, that's maybe, real. I looked at him, I said, maybe I should start crying. Let me get some onions. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, I want to be strong. I want to be strong. If, you know, just, right. like, just like uh, Dr. G said, it's like if more people cried, there'd be less violence. You know, the lack of understanding. Nowadays, from, tears are bullets, brother. Uh, yo. People cry bullets. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. They're not crying water, they cry bullets. bullets. And if you want to, if you want to, yeah, if you want to ease up on a, the amount of violence that's out there right now, that's happening to us, by us, by others, by you know, mm -hmm. just because of you know lack of understanding or realizing or empathy, empathy, just a simple ability to empathize as a man to a woman, a man to a man, a person in the world as it stands. Yeah, we you know let's save mm -hmm. those, let's save those that we can save. That's right. You're spot on, and it, and it, and it's funny because we're having this discussion at a time where all the resistance we're seeing, all the violence we're seeing, you can look at two ways. You can look at, oh my God, shit's about to go to hell in a handbasket, or you can look at it another way. What has been touched that people are now, our society is now pushing back so hard to not be the change they wish to see? So it's a matter of perspective. You know, just as we're seeing people become really resistant to the fact that change is happening, it doesn't mean that change gets stopped. It just, it's also a good indicator change is inevitable. You know, the fact that... Change, the fact should, that change can, should be invited. Exactly. But see, but, but see we, we, we human beings as a whole, behaviorally, are a tricky creature. We have this. We have this part of our brain that takes in information. For example, yeah. 
And in this part of our brain, they call it the reticular activator system. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, 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 just, you got the doctor talk for us. Can you give us a definition exactly of what, of what that is? Okay, the reticular, R-E-T-I. Is that something you put in your hair? It's actually a healthy part of our brain that what we take in information that becomes sort of part of our root of our There are things we do, there's a method to our madness, there's things we do on a regular that keep us safe, help us to survive. That all gets stored in this very, very small part of our brain. So it sounds like it sounds like it's just instinct. Because you know, when you have instinct, it sounds, like it's kind of, it sounds like instinct. Like when it's repetitive and it's routine, some things are just instinct. Exactly. It becomes instinct. And mm -hmm. now, what happens is that whenever our, whenever new information challenges what we believe is instinct. This part of our brain shuts off and has a really hard time taking in new information unless it's given to us repetitively. Mm. So in other words, our, our, the way the brain keeps itself safe is that it takes things in so that it can develop the instinct. It also will discriminate and will keep things out that challenge what has worked for us. In other words, we... we, 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 we People still want to find that magic pill that if we do this one thing all the time, everything will be great. And instead of what we know about because the, the environment's always changing, right. is that what works for us today may not be, what may be ineffective five or even ten years from now. You mean and minutes, what, and, and minutes from now. <laughs> exactly, minutes. even ten minutes from now. You're spot on. And it, we have to now open ourselves up. This is as men, but as people in general, to a space of being adaptable, being flexible, being able to listen to multiple viewpoints and realize that what we're doing is one way, not the way. Mm -hmm. And so as long as we talk, if we can't talk about masculinity or the fact that masculinity falls, we have to understand that masculinity falls on a spectrum. In other words, I, I ain't leaving, Doc. I ain't leaving, Doc. I like being where I am. What's 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 better than what we got here? <laughs> I, I'm not leaving. I like the way I am. I'm not changing. Right, but you know what? But you 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 asked that, that that's the see that question is kind of like your 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 mentor. That question has to be a question that we internalize. Like what's the, what? When I was listening to you tell your story about. Um, the, the gentleman who would just ask you questions. I don't think all of us realize that when we have men or even women ask questions that require us to respond and to think about ourselves, what they're doing is not just asking a question because they're curious. They're asking a question because they're like, you know what, I want you to eventually internalize these questions so that as you walk through life, uh, you are always asking yourself these questions inside. Exactly. And, then, and then he showed you the second scene. Right. Because the first one was the asking of the question, but the second one was him showing you 
an emotion that probably you probably buried a long time ago yeah. and oh wasn't even mm-hmm. and wasn't even allowed for exposure even in a female household because of going back right. to what Dr. G was saying which was you know what kind of man are you supposed to be you're not supposed to cry like they the women are participating in the reinforcement of this right. version of masculinity. Yeah, I mean, from, from my mother, it was a little different because my mother, she's like peace, love, and flowers. So she's like one of those flower children from Woodstock. So she believes in love right, and, right. and all that stuff, but I was a latchkey kid. So, I mean, latchkey meaning like, my mother worked three jobs, I rarely saw her. She was working hard, she kept me through private school, everything like that. So. I didn't get to see her. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And and, and, with, and with the rolling boulder, you know, he only made house calls at like one o'clock in the morning. So I was asleep. So he wasn't there to see me. <laughs> he, he wasn't there to see me. You know, he could throw me two dollars if he wants to, but I know he wasn't there for me. The the one of the things that you did say about your big brother and your father was that your father thanked what is now your big brother. That right there, I don't know when that happened. I don't know if it happened yesterday. Nah, I was like, I was like in my mid-twenties. Okay, but that moment right there, that requires the old man that is your dad at the time. If you were in your mid-twenties, you know, he's, he's, he's older than you by 20 years at least. He had to go through his own self self-understanding to have the awareness to thank this outside individual for interjecting. Mind you, you know, it's not to say that your big brother was involved with your mom or anything like this no, personality. No, no, I get you what you're saying. Yeah, it's like that, that he had to he had to do some serious growing because he ain't no shit. He ain't doing no growing. Let me end that conversation right now. <laughs> he ain't doing any growing. <laughs> let me, but then how, do you, how do you say okay? How do you, when do you get to that? I mean, I mean because he fantastic, was, but maybe he realized that he wasn't shit. He I mean, I, I, and I, and I, I'm talking, I'm talking out of turn right now. No, no, no. You know, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, I'm, God rest his soul. I mean, dad, don't worry about it. He ain't, don't strike him down when he leaves the house. Oh, man. But, well, what I'm saying is that I think he already knew. He he told me when I was, because we had more conversations than my father okay. as we got older. Okay. And he knew he was a selfish man. Oh. He said it to me. I was, I was a selfish man. Like, I didn't care. I was selfish. Like, put it out there. He was married to somebody else when he, with his ex-wife. He would go and say, I'm going to the store to get bread and not come back for three days. Oh. So he knew who he was. He, he knew was out, who he, he was. He was out there grinding yeah, weeks. he knew exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he to wasn't, make bread. And he, wasn't, and he wasn't grinding with his feet. <laughs> so let's make sure we understand that too. So once again, I, yes, it, it took enough for him, but I think at that point, I don't think it really for him to say thank you for for replacing me as a father yeah, figure. Uh-huh. I think he was like thank you for keeping my son on track and keeping him straight laced because that's important. You know what I mean? I don't think he looked at it like oh thank you for replacing me as a father figure. No you know? no 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 I never thought that. No 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 when I say when I say I'm not saying a girlfriend boyfriend type of thing. I'm saying that I don't even think he thought of it in a sense like. Oh, he's a father to him. I think he looked at it and said, thank you for keeping my son on track. Gotcha. 
Okay. Because right. he knew yeah, he knew that importance. Right. He knew that importance, right. but he couldn't provide it. He could not. He was too selfish. He couldn't provide it. He, he, and so, so he's he learned about it. He learned about himself. Yeah, his my, selfishness, you know, yeah. recognized that I did this out of the, at the wrong time for the wrong reasons, and now I'm. I've alienated my responsibility as because that's you know this, uh-huh. this is the thing people just are fathering children. Choices black men make in terms of choices they make that sort of help their lives. You know they become productive and successful members of society as opposed to you know becomes and you know the next Nino Brown. Let's make sure we understand something clearly or any other permutation there is that. Those choices are also measured on degree of self-worth. In other words, something happened where the person is making the choice, not just because it's the only choice, but it's the only choice they believe matches. Right, because their mother becomes, because when you have a mother say you ain't shit, you just like your father, you ain't shit, you just like your daddy. That statement right there is like, well, a, I don't want to be shit, and B, I don't even know this man that you're mad at, that you're telling me that I'm just like, because I haven't seen this, right. this 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 expression that I'm operating with is something that I thought belonged to me, not that it was passed uh-huh. down, and you know, and and and, right. and and so now this conversation, the, the idea can uh, a man. Can a woman raise a boy to be a man is really kind of manifesting itself. Can a woman do it alone? Or the the right. mother of the the mother of the child that's being made, if she was a solo artist in her execution, then the child itself will also have the same problem. And it becomes something that's passed down, you know, because everything that you say is something that was said to you. And when you raise your children, you now turn around and regurgitate those same things, you know, mm-hmm. the cry. You don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait a minute, you, know, you can't sit up there and tell your kid don't cry mm-hmm. or you just slap the shit out of them. It's like, this not going to work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I learned, I, I, learned that, I learned that from my big brother, too. It was like, you know, with my kids, when they get upset and they cry, I'm like, it's okay. You can cry. Get it out. Let it be. You can be angry. It's cool. Like, and... and because I don't want my sons to, I don't want my sons to grow up being like, I need to hide my anger. I need to hide my feelings. Right. I'd rather my That's kids right. say, and I say to them, I'm like, you're angry? And they'll be like, yeah, I'm angry with you. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. And then I will say, That's cool. I'm going to let you go. And then when I come back, I'm going to say, okay, do you, okay, you're angry with me, but do you understand why uh-huh. you're angry? And right. then I'm going to ask them, I'm like, right. think about it because. Are you angry with me, or are you angry with yourself because the situation has happened? Uh-huh. Right? I mean, and I know they're only seven and ten. I know they're only seven and ten, but I want them to, because once again, this is different from when I was ten. This time, this day and age is different. They're, this boy ten to me is thirteen. You become more emotionally no, you're, you're, available. That's spot on. I think, I think, I think we've become more emotionally available because just like you said, at you know at. This, the, this version of 10 versus the version of 10 that we came up in are completely different. So you came up in that version. I came up in that version. Dr. G's come up in that version. That version of 10 years old, no matter how many decades spar between each. But this version of 10 years old, you have to, as the parent, 
become more emotionally available and intact so that you can be able to make room for that conversation. Mm-hmm. With my three-year-old today, with my three-year-old this morning, I'm trying to get him dressed. He's flipping out, and I was like, you want me to flick you on your ear? Because who can't hear who will feel? Dr. G, I know you've heard this, this statement before. Who can't hear will feel. That's right. So who can't hear will feel. So he's not listening to me. So then I flicked him on his ear. And he started crying. And I was like, hmm. So then he kind of kept it to uh-huh. himself a little bit. And then he came back to me and it was like, Daddy, why'd you flick me on my ear? I was like, because you weren't uh-huh. listening to me. But the three-year-old, this, this three-year-old asked me, Daddy, why you flick my ear? Just think about for uh-huh. a second. He's a six-year-old. At three. He's a six-year-old. He's a six-year-old. I'm telling he's you. So, he's so addicted. Uh-huh. The advancement, the, like, the, the speed exactly. is so much. So him, uh-huh. him engaging me in that conversation comes from me engaging him in that conversation. Uh-huh. I'm not just the front to put down and control the situation. That's not what it is. Uh-huh. I'm here to respect you at three. And respect the and respect what I'm providing to you. Safety, sanctuary, the direction, directionality. These are the things that I'm gate I'm my goal is to provide. I'm all about it. That's right. But see you but now you just hit the nail on the head about the difference between being in a white being seeped in a white supremacist ideological environment and being a, being a parent or a child of color as opposed to our white boys and girls out there who the conversation that you're ensuing, that you're engaging in now is what white parents engage in all the time with their children and here's why, because when you talk about white supremacist ideology, you're talking about the fact that those who will not hear will feel it came right out of our slave history. If you want to control, yes. even for sure, you want to control and manipulate another body, you must beat it into submission. Mm-hmm. If you want to control an other human body, being mind, spirit, you must first beat it into you submission. You've got to break it. You've got to break it. And mm. then you have to wait. And then here's the beautiful thing. And then you have to do it all the time in order to maintain it. In other words, mm. there's a double-edged sword to this. So you break that body. But somewhere along the line, if you don't continue to engage in the breaking behavior, the body will say, you know what, I'm done with this bullshit. Well, just like any bone that's we'll, broken. And we'll revolt. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. Just like if you break a bone, it comes back stronger. If you cut exactly. the skin, the skin gets thicker. And now, right. and, and now, and then you've built up underneath all those scars resentment. Yeah, that, and that, that's exactly yeah, what I was about to say. Twisted. At one, at one time, in black families, at least in black American families, going back 10, 11, 12 generations, you know, uh, uh, coming from a slave ancestry, beating your children. For, at one point was condoned because they actually believed if I beat my kids before the slave master beats my kids thoroughly yep. and severely enough, I will, I will toughen my child up so that when the slave master comes in and acts the fool, they'll survive. Mm. 
Well, Dr. Gene, Dr. Gene, what you are trying to fill these folks' ears with right now requires more time and additional days. <laughs> um, but, but you know, um, we, I, I can say for myself, and I'm also going to speak for uh, Fuman, that we really, really appreciate the information that was discussed today and really kind of understanding how we are the first generation uh, you know maybe even second generation depending on the situation Absolutely. that is getting in touch with our emotional selves so that we can go ahead and provide the right path for the younglings for the younglings that we've Absolutely. got coming into this game you know yellow eyes and, you know and lightsabers you know, <laughs> aside you know uh -huh. um, we definitely want to make sure that we see ourselves in them and the choices that we make as adults are fueled uh -huh. by experiences that happened long before I was here. So we've got to be fair to ourselves and give ourselves a pass so that we can get a chance to get out in front of being available to our little ones. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think um, said, I agree. Said, uh, said well there, Mike. Lee. said so well. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I agree. I, I'm always chasing a ghost. I'm chasing a ghost of my father's past. Mm. Like, I'm always mm -hmm. trying hard to be better than my father was. And yep. even if I said right now, I'm like 10 times better than what my father ever did for my whole life. But... I just don't feel that way. I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like when my son is not doing well in school or something, I don't get to go to his events or something like that, I feel bad. I feel like I've failed my sons. Mm -hmm. um, and it's weird. It, it, it is that kind of thing that I do and I, I, I strive very hard to be uh, in, my, in my kid's life every single day I can um, because I don't want to be like my father was to me. I'm breaking the chain. Mm -hmm. yes. I'm breaking the chain. That's because we we can't afford to raise sheep anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yo! Can't, you can't, you can't, because I said so. We don't, we're not afforded that luxury. No. Cannot, because they're, because, the, and the crazy no. thing is, even with the internet and the social media and all those things I say, they will find it from someone else. So and might they have as well. a quicker way mm -hmm. to get it nowadays than they had when we were growing up. Absolutely. But, so that, that, before you go, Dr. G, I'm going to end this off with on a high note with some laughter. Okay. Um, okay. We're going to do a quick segment called, uh, we like to call it deductive reasoning. And we're going to flip the script <laughs> on, on you, Ed, uh, Dr. G. We're going to put you on the couch. Okay. So All right. here we go. Well, I'm going to give you an example. Like when I say bike, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I think bicycle. I think, uh, mode of transportation. <laughs> okay, cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So now we're, I'm going to give you, like, four questions. Here we go. Father's go. Day. Father's Day. I would say, first thing in my mind, cool, great. I want this toy. No. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I got a bad grade. What? What did you do well? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Someone called me the N-word. Whoa. Wow. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> no, he said thought I had answers for the other one. <laughs> Who the fuck is that and where the fuck is he? Let me talk to his ass. That's what I got to say. I'm like, N-word you want, N-word here. Does dad need to come down to school with you? That's basically what comes up for me. Okay. Um, do we need to go down and have a conversation? Next go. word. I'm sorry, next word. Shit. Chick? No, shit. S-H-I-T. I'm a child. I'd say, okay. I, 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 would, I would ask, what's up? I'd, I'd ask the question, like, you all right? Cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I know you're not at this point yet. I'm pregnant, or I got someone pregnant. Crickets. You know, there's nothing like, oh, shit, I'm not even trying to grow my kids that age yet. I'm going to tell you the first thing that comes to my head, bats. <laughs> Baseball bats is the first thing that comes to my head. Oh, something that comes to my head is choices. That's what comes in my head. Okay. Choices. Okay. Okay. Well, 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 once again, Dr. Gene, we thank you. Everybody give a round of applause for Dr. Gene Edwards. Round of applause for Dr. Gene Edwards. Thank you so much for having me be a part of it. And um, I'm looking forward to... Huh? No, no, go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, and I would, if there are other topics that come up, I'd love to come back if as would happen. Great, and you will be called again, Dr. G. You will be called again. We have so many topics that we want to talk uh, talk about from a uh, from a uh, clinical as well as a daddy perspective, um, and that's why we had you on Absolutely. the call today. Um, and but well, we thank you. We thank you for all your knowledge, all your all your words, and of course, the last part of the game, which I love the best. <laughs> Wow. Did we record wow? Yeah, we were use that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you for providing some sound bites there, sir. Uh, Dr. Gene Edwards, um, PhD, thank you very much again. Thank you. All right. Take care. This episode is dedicated to my big brothers, William Knight, Keani Henry, and my Uncle E as well as all of the male role models and active participants that are impacting a boy's life. Thanks for teaching us to be men.